Welkom, Wamkele Kile. Welcome to the Hello Musenberg podcast, where people talk about local issues and tell the unique stories of the people of Musenberg. And now, to get you going with this edition is our host, Wayne Turner. And it's a very good morning to you. We are broadcasting again from the beachfront in Musenberg opposite the surf shops for the first time in three weeks. Oh dear. <laughs> you, you need to get close to that microphone. <gasps> I'm out of touch. <laughs> <laughs> right. After that little intro, you'll notice that Corin's back again. Uh, we had a little hiatus. Uh, Women's Day was one of them. Yeah. And the other one was... One of us was sick or something was happening. Yes, <laughs> it was life. <laughs> so, so we're all rearing to go and get back into the podcast. Right. So the way we do it is we have the weekly podcast talking about the stories behind the stories. The, the uh, False Bay Echo has a number of community stories every week that we try to focus on. Find out some of the, the pain, the joy, the stuff you don't get when reading a 500,000 word article. And in order to make that happen, that's the reason we have Corin in studio with us every week. Tell us how you are. <laughs> I'm alive. I'm so happy to be alive. <laughs> I was felled by migraine this week, so um, I was a very unhappy camper for the first half of the week. It's amazing to feel like a human being again. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I know those sort of little moments oh. where... It feels like the world is crashing down around you. Yeah, it was bad. And, but I'm all, back. and I'm all back. you want is to be pain free and back to normal. It's an interesting thing, the pain, hey? When you when you uh, live a pain free life and then you're suddenly struck with something like that, it really does make one grateful. Absolutely. So, what's in the latest False Bay Echo? Oh, we've got a, a smorgasbord. <laughs> um, for our local side, um, we focused on Bernal Fastad. Now, her name rings a bell. Just yeah. Bernal's uh, multi-talented. She's a, um, a self-proclaimed maverick, a water maverick. She's a biochemical engineer, um, deals with sewage systems, and also volunteers a lot. You may have heard her name through the volunteering. Also, she started uh, the Sunflay Park Run. So... All those happy runners on a Saturday morning. Oh, so I, probably, I probably met her. You probably have. Right. What is the story about? It's a feature on Bernal because we were in Women's Month and I thought how absolutely appropriate. Here's a superbly mercurial-minded, intelligent woman in a very, very interesting industry, which uh, is not a typically woman Dominated yeah. industry. Um, and she's remarkable. And um, <laughs> she's... Bernal, a uh, biochemical engineer, all of these things. And then she also makes her own dresses. And a lot of the time she's found barefoot. Wonderful sense of humor. So I wrote about her, about who she mm. is, about what her motivations are, how she wants to be remembered, um, what the challenges are with work, um, how she overcomes those, what the 
uh, what her long-term aspirations are. So it's a, it's a lovely insight into the mind of, a, of a, a woman who's wholly committed to community. Yeah, it's great when, when people break those, mm. those molds and you get to know the other side of them, yeah. what they actually do. Like you say, this chemical engineer makes yeah. her own dresses. Like yeah. me involved in a bunch of things, law enforcement, and I do cross-stitch embroidery. I love it. You see, I love <laughs> it. It's just marvelous. We're so much more than what we think than what other people think. I won't tell you about my crochet. <laughs> <laughs> You'll have to teach me because my sewing teacher hated me. <laughs> I, I definitely don't fit the profile. So the interesting thing about finding out more about people is that it just cuts against the grain. Yeah, exactly. We have these, and I think that's part of our history in South mm. Africa. We yeah. have, we we create stereotypes. Mm. This is how you should act. This is how you should. This is what race should do. This and mm. what uh, religion should do. This and you put all these boundaries and you and you uh, put them in boxes. But when you look close at people, you find find out that. Uh, it's just not like that. No, and I think maybe people do that to have a sense of safety. You know, there's this, oh, we if you're in a box, we can understand you. But um, the, the reality is so much more enchanting. Let's move on to the next story. And this is a good one uh, because it impacts us. And we've had Ashton's sister on the show uh-huh. as well. And that's the story about Ashton. G- give us the, the latest. I know he went off to Durban. He went Durban. to Durban, yes. Uh, they did a little fundraising thing before they left. And, and the t- um, they went off. A bunch of, of our local folk went to Durban for the um, Adaptive Surfing Championships 2018. They were Durban North Beach. Our superstar brought home a silver. I was so impressed. Uh, in the um, prone, prone, unassist, uh, prone assisted category. And, uh, and then we had another 11-year-old, um, Daniel, from our side, who also, um, he won the, uh, the the longest wave surfed for the day. And he's on the autism spectrum. And, oh, wow. Uh, so he took that, and he's also from um, Surf Adapt here. Yeah. And here comes a delivery Whee! of the Echo <laughs> to our studio. Woo! We have it, have a chat. Talking about Ashton, now Ashton, as you would have gathered from previous podcasts, uh, has cerebral cerebral palsy he is not disabled he mm-hmm. is differently abled he calls himself he has a disability yeah. and he has a mean sense of humor oh, as well <laughs> you just got to understand what it takes to to participate in something like this if you've only got basically your right hand yeah. that works and you lie on a surfboard and you mm. get assisted to get into a wave that can be scary stuff. You've got to be brave. I'm hugely brave. So much courage and determination. But his older brother served and he was just not going to be the person who wouldn't. Which is probably would have happened with any big brother. It was just a bigger <laughs> challenge for, for Ashton. <laughs> see, we've got the echo just come in. Yeah. I see the big headline, which does impact all of us in Musenberg, in Lakeside, in Simonstown, is the whole alcohol issue. Mm. I read last week's one. A letter to the editor and then uh, ne- is it Neil who's the city councillor for Simonstown area? Simon Neil Cock. S- uh, Simon, Simon Neil Cock and he responded to that and when you see these letters going back and forth, f- forth you get a, a better understanding of some of the dynamics that are, are in this whole uh, process of should we be a, a dry suburb, should we 
allow bottle stores. So this debate carries on. Is mm. there any, any further information around this? This is Yolandi's story. Hi, Yolandi. <laughs> <laughs> um, she's out working again today, so she couldn't join us. But there's actually been quite a groundswell of people who spoke out and said, we were ignored and we don't mind the idea of having a liquor store in Fishhook. And they're going against the grain. Um, so yeah, you touched on that yes. a couple of weeks ago, those mm. people, but they really hadn't done anything about it. So there's a submission that has to be in by Friday, um, August 24th. So uh, if you go on to uh, objections, can be sent to dryfishhook at gmail.com. If you look online, you'll find the um, the details about where the, the, where the submissions can go. That saga continues. Okay, then... Uh, an interesting one, and that is the one about the koi hut. I've, I've oh. noticed it. I've done a couple of podcasts down at the beach, and there's this uh, thatched hut thing that yes. isn't what we used to seeing as a, as a thatched structure. Tell us a bit about that one. Okay, that's wonderful. So um, the local koi folk have put, t- put up this hut, and it serves a dual purpose. It's both as an information center for fishhook, so if you're a local or a tourist and you're passing through and you want to know who and what and where to go, that's going to be the place to go to get those in, that information. But it also doubles as an information section on the koi culture. So who's going to be giving this information? I, I know it's the, uh, the galley, what's the guy's name? Oh, yes, Herbie. Herbie. Herbie's Herbie initiative. And, and Matai, because, um, sorry, Matea. Matea is of Koi descent. So okay. she's very proud of, right. of the heritage. And that's why, look, the area that it's on, there, was a, um, uh, there were questions about because it's city-owned land. But Herbie and Matai's lease actually specifies that they maintain that area mm. for the city. So it's an initiative by them, and um, it's a cultural initiative, and it was officially launched on Saturday past, which was World Indigenous Day. Mm. And um, so a celebration of culture uh, and an information thing for, for us to know, because many people don't really understand the Khoi culture, even though it was our original uh, people. The word koi has been bandied, uh, bandied around for a long time and is a big positive, but there's also a big negative attached yeah. to it. And so you never get the, the proper education around exactly. what is happening. And it's usually some person who's uh, championing a cause who's not actually koi. And they, uh, yeah. that's you hear from other journalists or someone. Mm. That's why I asked you the question, mm. who is going to be doing the educating? It's actually them, directly. Absolutely, because yeah. if you don't have someone who's got strong koi connections, you're going to get almost like a superficial, and we need to know the real things. The real things. It's a very complex issue because there are, very many, there are different um, variations of, cult, of culture, of people. They know the, the details of that better than anyone else ever could. So hear it from them. Go and ask questions. Is it up and running now yeah, as an education centre yeah. and tourism as and well? Tourism. So pe- you'll be able to get information. You mentioned the surf guys mm. who do tours into That's Massey right. and things like that. That's but, right. You know, we need to sort of um, make these things gel and bring it all together so the tourists can have a fully rounded experience. Yeah, we have our beach huts. They can have their Khoisan hut. <laughs> well, well may- maybe it's a, a, new, uh, a new era that they're starting. Because I think so. Koi is so much part of... Of the Cape, and it's and it's received such a little acknowledgement. Acknowledgement, yeah, mm. you know, especially amongst the, the local community, people have now settled on Koi land. They've developed. This was originally, exactly. but yeah. let's go back to our original inhabitants and yeah, ask them.
because they're getting it from all sides. They really are. You know, I still think the interesting thing is uh, Dean Leprini and the Sacred uh, Sites Foundation, their idea of, uh, and it has great buy-in from mm. the Koi folk themselves, wanting to establish walks and um, education about the area that they live in. I think that's right, wonderful. Right, right. I'd like to see that developed. Okay, and then let's look at another aspect, a quick report back on yeah, microplastics. It wasn't, oh. That was in last week's Echo. We, d- we didn't do a, a, a podcast last week. No. There was a very interesting story. So that was on the, um, the hills of a discovery that uh, microplastics were found in the drinking water in Swanee and uh, Johannesburg. Yeah, I, I so, saw that article. Yeah, it, it, it actually caused quite a lot of consternation. So I asked the city council if they were testing our water. And they said, no, not testing our water because there's no conclusive evidence that uh, microplastics are damaging to human health. I thought that was interesting, human health. So I put that response to our environmentalist, uh, environmental activists and uh, people in the know. Dr. Tony Butt, who was the oceanographer that we spoke about about two weeks ago, he'd have his talk. And he said, look, that's just clearly reductionist thinking. Um, You know, you're saying we're not going to test because there is no evidence. If there's no evidence, surely the idea is to test more. Well, to test and and look for evidence. And and look, because you don't know. You still don't know. Nobody knows. They can't tell us. I've asked UCT. We're waiting for um, a specialist there. There is Professor Peter Ryan, who's an ornithologist, and he has been um, examining the the effects of microplastics, but Mm. more so on birds. Right. And um, he made an interesting point, and he said, look, we breathe breathe in microfibers all the time, so we don't know the effect of that. So we can't say yet that microplastics that are being ingested by drinking water, we just don't know. Mm-hmm. But if you do stringent testing and you find out that there is nothing, then you can say, conclusive, you can say conclusively, we've done all the relevant tests Correct. and there is nothing to suggest it. Exactly. Although it doesn't stop us from being concerned that it possibly, there might be the tipping point. Exactly. You add another 30,000 tons into the environment over the next few years and that will push it. So we do. So we, we need to understand the benchmark. What is the benchmark? And so we, we can, in the future, work out if we are having problems. Exactly. And also it's um, the the mindset of not looking at just as it is, but saying it's combinations of things. So we might be ingesting this, but on its own it isn't particularly toxic. But if you combine it with this, and these are two things that you're you're ingesting regularly, that creates a problem. Just like if you take one medication, Mm. you don't know. That's why you have to know how they interact with each other. Okay, we're going to go to an insert that I did at Women's Day and uh, listen to a few interviews we did. One of them is uh, Eddie Andrews. He's the MAKO member for the South. That was an interesting interview. So we'll be back after this. Coming up next, Wayne talks to our special guest. I have with me at the event Eddie Andrews. Now, I've just found out it's the Eddie Andrews, the guys we, one of the guys we used to watch on TV one of our rugby heroes now put two and two together he's the Mako member is it for the for the south and we also call it the mini mayor Eddie just tell us your feelings about today's event the women in tourism at the pavilion 
I think it's important that we highlight the important role women have to play uh, in the tourism space. I think women have been innovative for years, not been given the recognition, and today's all about acknowledging that, but more important, networking with the other stakeholders in the space as well. Uh, government, we are at risk of being too prescriptive, and so we need to better understand what the sector desires and include that in our operations in the, in the financial year. We see a hive of activity, there have been uh, fun competitions, giveaways, a lunch. These ladies have had an absolute ball. Uh, how do you think that bodes for tourism in the south when you see on their faces what they've been exposed to? I know they're off now to do some adaptive surfing and on a historical tour, different events that are taking place in Musenberg. Well, I think it's an important note for us, Musenberg. It's been uh, an example that we showcase all over what can happen when there's collaboration between the private sector and, and, and the public sector. Uh, government enables, and I think we depend entirely on the entrepreneurial spirit of private sector to drive the initiatives that we are enabling on their behalf. Uh, and today, of course, a showcase of what the local offering is, Musenberg, and also how to engage with them and, and sell their products. Most of the persons, the women present here, are tour operators, so they've familiarize themselves with, uh, with the offering here and almost certainly included in their routes uh, going forward. So what's the biggest thing you've learned about Musenberg, the best kept secret or something to do with Musenberg? Embarrassingly it's uh, where surfing all started. <laughs> <laughs> That's the that's what I uh, learned today, and uh, yeah, and also the stats, other stats that uh, you know applicable to women, the first to do certain things, and the one thing that stood out for me, the first to create uh, the car heater for the feet, the the that that part of the heater, uh, a woman um, designed years ago. I wasn't aware of it, so yeah, just in terms of uh, what woman, the first woman, that's really been overwhelming this morning. So you can say you've been well and truly educated. Absolutely. Well and truly educated today. Eddie, thank you so much for, for joining us. It's good to have guys like you looking after us in the south and making sure that tourism actually happens. Thank you so much. You're listening to the Hello Musenberg podcast. At the Musenberg tourist event organized by Praza, I have with me Moira. Moira, what do you think of the event? It's going exceptionally well. Um, it's nice for so many ladies and it's a different theme for Women's Day. Um, and we're just moving off now to do the various walks and everything around Musenberg. You do a historical walk. Tell us quickly about that. I'm doing a think out the box. I'm doing a walking quiz and activities. It's going from the beachfront into taking in the Battle of Musenberg, where they'll be doing activities to see how they can connect sporting activities, egg spoon races, etc., with the history, with activities that um, they can come and do on these historical walks. So it's important to let people know. I think this is the first event I've seen in Musenberg to let tour guides know what is actually available here very much so and it's uh, getting the tour guides I think they've all realizing now that they must think out of the box and offer certainly very varied um, tours to their clients that can only enhance their profession and also going around the various communities and finding out what every community not only Musenberg has to offer what do you think Musenberg's best kept secret is uh, that most people don't know about? I think it's the, um, the the history linking it to the sports that used to be here, the activities that can be done. Um, Battle of Musenberg, very few people have ever visited the Battle of Musenberg. Um, and there's just various themes like car racing that links car racing for the men. And when the first cars came here, Boys Drive used to be um, car rally. 
So there is so much that history that can be linked that is novel. Most people don't realise the first uh, ML flight was made between Kenilworth and Musenberg. That's right, and then that links, links with um, a Bailey's wife, Mary. She was the first woman pilot to fly from uh, Croydon into, into Cape Town. And then also is, is that way back in history, we actually had one of the first women pilots that was put through in Pretoria for a, a pilot's course. Moira, thank you so much for chatting with us on the Hello Musenberg podcast. Thank you so much. Have a good day. Some interesting interviews of the Women's Day event that took place at Musenberg Pavilion. 100 tour guides and tour operators who came together and were exposed to walking tours, other aspects of Musenberg to encourage them to bring people yeah. into our community. Okay. Uh, podcast before we end off. Ooh, new ones. Yay. Yes, yes. Now, I found a, a really interesting one. And we're hoping to, in the future, with Moira, what is her name? She's a history fanatic in Musenberg, oh. Welsh lady. We're going to have her on the podcast talking about some of the Musenberg history. But this one is not Musenberg history, but it is an interesting history podcast. And that is the BBC World Service, The History Hour. Nice. I listened to some last night, an amazing information about history it's not south african history they do they will be dipping into history around the world that's great but this gives some info on when buckingham palace was open to the public east german uh, farmers thought that america was dropping bugs into their pot- <laughs> into their potato crops and an interesting part is two villages in armenia and azerbaijan swapped homes to avoid ethnic violence oh i love that what, what, a, what a unique wow. idea that's brilliant well if, I, if you stay in my home in yes. Musenberg, I'm certainly not going to come and trash it or burn it down. No, because then you've been face to face. You've seen, you've met the neighbours. You've got an understanding of how people live. Yeah, that's really clever. I and found a new one. Yeah, what is your new one? Called the Living Experiment, and it's um, a, a health journalist and a an author. And um, so what they do is they they tackle various subjects about health. Oh, we've got mm. a big truck going past. <laughs> garbage truck thanks guys um so um it's a health industry thing so for instance last night i listened to one about anxiety Mm. and i've always looked at anxiety as a problem in and of itself a separate entity and what they were saying last night is anxiety is actually a symptom of an inflamed brain and i went oh oh my gosh we've been looking at it and treating it as its own thing Mm. but if you adjust certain aspects and you, you get the inflammation in the brain done and Tim Noakes will talk to you about that then the anxiety would um, w- would actually dissipate well that brain inf- inflammation according to research is what causes type 2 diabetes yeah. well, no, what causes um, uh, Alzheimer's Correct. and dementia because it's been bombarded glucose right. uh, carbohydrates cause inflammation yep. so an inflamed brain some people more predisposed to it. Correct, absolutely. So, I mean, it's interesting that it, 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 they're actually looking at anxiety as a as a symptom. I thought that was quite um, enlightening. Right. Well, uh, those are just two podcasts. Don't forget, uh, we also recommend, I mean, my big one that we listen to all the, all the time, rather, <laughs> is the Moth podcast, which is a really, really great one. TED Radio Hour. Yes, I love them. I like tech stuff, of course. Yes. You know, anything tech. That's why we... <laughs> <laughs> I like the biomimicry stuff. <laughs> and, and then my wife's favorite, favorite one is the... It's another BBC one. The BBC Radio for Open Country. Oh, nice. 
oh it's so nice i just i want to be a journalist like <laughs> these ladies they they will visit a, a fishing village oh. and find interesting things and she's walking down the street describing and then she interviews a local oh. i think that's what i want it's like podcast. the shipping news oh, absolutely the, movie, the shipping news <laughs> that brings us to the end of this podcast it's nice being back in the seat oh, it's really good being back I, I enjoyed it, and uh, we don't want to give it a miss, but no. unfortunately these things happen, and we're not going to let the podcast drive us. We're going to drive the podcast. <laughs> so then, till next time, from me, Wayne Turner. And me, Karen Katza. Cheers. Thanks. That's it for this show. Tune in next time for another exciting edition of the Hello Musenberg podcast.